Hello, my name's Gregory Wilker. Thank you for listening to my podcast, Live with Greg. Today is November 17th, 2019, and last night I learned that my podcast had way exceeded the resources I have to keep it alive as a video podcast. So I am actively working to move it to an audio podcast. The video is still available on my website, gregorywoker.com, and I hope you enjoy this episode of Live with Greg. Thanks for your support. Here with uh, neighbor Benjamin. Hi. And um, how's it going? Pretty good. I'm good. How about you? I'm all right. It's awesome. Yeah. So, um, were you born in the United States? No, I was. I was born in Paris. Really? Yeah. What part? Um, I don't really know. <laughs> Just you could say anything in it. Paris. Paris. <laughs> yeah. Is that like if someone says, I was born in San Francisco, and you go, oh, yeah, what part? And they go, San Francisco. Yeah, just San Francisco. <laughs> All right. And how long were you uh, in France? Um, well, I stayed there for about six months. Then we moved to, uh, to a small town near Philadelphia in, uh, in Pennsylvania. And I lived there for about nine years. And then I moved back to France on the West Coast. West coast of France. The west coast of France. Isn't it kind of cold there? Um, it, it, I mean, it has a. During the summer, it was pretty warm. We were by the beach. It was we had good weather. Usually, it was very rainy. Um, it was uh, right under Normandy, so we got a lot of rain. But it was um, the weather wasn't too bad. Mm-hmm. And you were there four years. Yeah, four four years. Yeah, about that. And you just moved back to the Bay Area. Yeah, two years ago. So would you say you've got a pretty good taste of the United States and France, like living in both? Yeah, I'd, I'd say so, yeah. Are there some profound differences, you believe? There are. There are major uh, differences. Like the, the school system, completely different. Uh, France is way more old school. And uh, the, I prefer the school system here because it's uh, it facilitates learning, I believe, in, um, and they're... In France, I feel like they're kind of out out to get you. They they kind of like failing you. I mean, of course, there are bad teachers here, but I've, I'm much better student here in uh, California than I was in France. So you're saying the educational system of France is set up to create failure? I yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there is the Waterloo, my friends. All right. Do you think you would? Uh, be able to pursue acting in France the way you're able to pursue No, I don't think really? so. Uh, there isn't at all the same. I mean, the drama department at my school is great, and um, it's going to help me a lot if I try and pursue my, my career as an actor. Um, but, I mean, the, they have such a different way of seeing uh, seeing your future. I don't think I would I would have imagined becoming an actor in France if I had stayed in France. So you weren't even really thinking of acting until you moved Not back really, to the yeah. United States. No. What triggered that spark? Um, I think my um, my last uh, couple of months in France, I was doing a play, 
Shakespeare play, which I loved. And then I, when I moved here and there was a drama department, I decided, wow, that'd be, that'd be really awesome to, to join that. And I had a blast my first year. And so that really, that was when it, like, I really, it really got me thinking that I wanted to do that for a living. So you were a freshman in high school when you first moved here? Yes. How did you get involved in a Shakespeare play in France? Um, so I was in the, um, in the school's British department, British section. Uh, we had a we had an English uh, teacher there who taught us uh, who taught English and like she she loved Shakespeare. We learned a lot about Shakespeare, and we uh, she wanted to put on a play, and so um, the whole class was in it, and I absolutely loved it. And so when I moved here, it kind of got me wanting to do drama at Tam. And it was all fresh, huh? yeah. The Shakespeare, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that Shakespeare experience doesn't sound like the educational system you described in France. No, but um, not every school has a British section. Like I, we, had, we, the school was more or less uh, particular because of that that British section, which was uh, where uh, normal like residents in France could learn English. It was hard. It was really hard for French speakers, but. Um, she, she was one of the rare the, the rare teachers at that school who, who were looking out for the students. And you got in because you knew English really yeah, well? Cause I, yeah, because I... So you thought, I'm going to ace this class. Yeah, basically. All right. Your parents bought into that. Yeah. Sweet. Do you have a passion for skateboarding like you? Uh, no, not at all. I just do it to... It's like I to travel, to get to one place to another. All right. What are you passionate about? Acting. <laughs> yeah, act, no. that's the first thing that comes to mind. Do you think that self-reflection is a part of your life and who you are? What, what do you mean by self-reflection? Examining what you're doing, why you're doing it, your actions, your thoughts. Um, and uh, Yeah, I do, I think... Yeah, I'd say so. I think it's for everyone, though, yeah. Well, I ask you because I think for my daughter, the eldest one who's a teenager at town, mm -hmm. I don't think self-reflection is really a part of her life. I think there's elements in my helping her with her homework where I've noticed it's asking for her opinion, and her response is kind of, I don't have an opinion. I think that's the, the easier way... That's the easy, the easier answer to everything. If you don't have an opinion, there's no there's no real problem, and so that's a way to to. I mean, I think that the our school system here um, in America, it's uh, if you you don't need an opinion to get good grades. All you need to do is be able to write the get the math homework and the. I mean, there's no. I have, I have a couple of teachers maybe who who work on self reflection, but even that they don't they don't make it prominent that you need to be able to self reflect to get a good grade in their class. So I think that everyone self reflects if it's uh, and but different people just people just express it differently. So you're saying my daughter does self reflect? I yeah of course I think every human self reflects. It's just that it's buried deeper. Subconsciously, I, I don't know. Yeah. Do you identify as both a 
Frenchman and an American? I do. I do. In, um, in France, I identify as American. And here, I identify as France. <laughs> Frenchman. Yeah. Would it be easier the other way? No, it's, uh, it sets me apart from everyone. I, there's everyone, like, because here I'm known as the French guy, and in France I'd be known as the American guy. It's just funny to see the way people react to that. That is fun. Mm. Do you, what about you identifying yourself? What do you... I'd say I have a pretty good balance between both. I like to take the better things out of both both places and I try and reenact them in, in me. I don't know if I do it well, but I try. What is one better thing in the United States? Um, I think first thing that comes, it's just like I feel like everyone's more, I don't know, maybe this is just California, but everyone's friendlier, you know, like, it's not weird for me to say hi to a stranger in the street. In France, it would be kind of frowned upon, like, why is he talking to me? I don't know. I don't want to talk to him. You know, and so that's, it's being, uh, it's just being nice, just plain, plainly nice. And what's one good thing about France? Um, I think everyone's a bit more open-minded there. Um, there's a different... Everyone, uh, here, everyone, if you grow up in one way, like, if your parents raise you in one way, you're, you're more set on that path of mind, and you don't really explore anything else. But I, in France, as I, I know for the teenagers, um, I feel like everyone's more just open to new things, maybe it's your generation too, but open to trying new things. Um, I really see that in France. And not so much here. Not so much here. So you could say there's some friends of yours where you think, oh, that path seems more set by their mm. parents mm-hmm. than their own personal choice. And, may, and uh, a lot of friends here, um, the fact that I, that, that I do things that they're not used to, they associated directly with me being French. So if I do something that's unusual to them, they're like, oh, he's French. So it's like, I mean, we, we don't try and understand it. He just does it. He's French. It's like, it's probably a French thing that every other French people do. See, in, in, in France, like, I, you wouldn't really see that. You'd think, like, that's Benjamin. Benjamin's doing yeah. something. I wonder where that's coming from. There you go, yeah. But here it's like, oh, he's French. Mm. Do you find that with your friends when you see one of them doing something off the beaten path, you inquire about what that's about? Um, I wouldn't say maybe I used to, but I, I think my friends are I, my 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 close friends. They're not really they're not really like that. I think because I tried to find people who weren't like that and who were more open minded, and so I don't really think about I mean I, yeah I think I don't think oh it's because he's American or wherever he, he came from just think it's so oh, it's him it's my friend mm-hmm. that's him like he does that <laughs> this is totally left turn you okay with that yeah mm-hmm. <clears throat> what are some roles that you'd like to play as an actor as an actor um that right now I mean I'd, I'd do anything as long as it's acting I happened. I mean, I could play a 
comedic character or a really depressing character or a, like the the villain or the good guy. I really could care less right now. What about some of the monsters of society or people ostracized? And to play that character? Right. I mean, acting is a is behaving truthfully in imaginary circumstances. And so I would have no problem with uh, with playing that part because I know I know I myself I'm not I I I'm not that character. I'm just playing him. So even if I have to put myself into that character, but I know I will I'm just acting. So it's not like as long as I don't behave like that outside in the real world. I don't have a problem with it. Do you think that as an actor there's an element of um, like are you familiar with um, I just forgot the name the one with Jodie Foster and uh, oh my god I forget you know where he's a psychotic killer and she's the FBI agent you familiar with that movie it was a movie no I it's and um, oh darn it Anthony Hopkins I don't think I've heard of it I don't think I've seen it though uh, it's, it's really good because the performances are brilliant. Okay. But I think um, there's an element of Anthony Hopkins, you see the coldness in his eyes. You know, you just like he's a psychotic serial killer, but he's brilliant. That's part of his character. Mm. And <clears throat> And I wonder if it's possible to really embody a character. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I uh, I can't think of his name right now. Um, the actor who played uh, the Joker in the Batman. Right, right. Um, he, he locked himself in a hotel room for, for an insane amount of times, and he, he did not come out. He... he, he, he uh, the, the character work um, that he did to... For that movie was crazy, he, and he, and he went he went insane. Like he had to stop filming. That's that's how that's how bad because that that the Joker, which is for a lot of people who love Batman. I have a lot of friends who are really nerdy for that. And like it's great, and I I mean I love those movies. But they really get into it, and like they're telling me that the Joker is such a hard character to to play because there's um you can't really. It, once you become one of those kind of big actors and you're really serious about it, they don't just give you lines and a role, and you don't just play that. Heath Ledger. Yeah, Heath Ledger, that's right. Yeah, what about um, Brokeback Mountain, where he played a homosexual, you know, an ad Yeah, 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 and, and he... And it's, um... You, you go through... If, you, if you're really serious about it, I don't know, like, Brad Pitt chipped his, tooth, his teeth for, um... for uh, Fight Club, because he didn't... He didn't imagine that his character would have perfect teeth. So he purpose. I mean, there's so many things that you can do, and some just take it to a, a further extent, you know. Now, I've heard that Heath Ledger was very passionate yeah. about the character. Like, right when he got the role, he was calling up the director all the mm-hmm. time with ideas, mm-hmm. and, and the director really appreciated that. That was a good thing. Yeah. That- do you, have you heard the famous story about... Um, Dustin Hoffman and the English actor whose name I forget Sir something great English actor and like really was known for um, 
Shakespeare roles. Anyway, this gentleman came from an English acting background, and Dustin Hoffman was from the 60s, and character, like you're talking about, where you really get into the character. Mm. And so I heard that Dustin Hoffman starved himself and was raging drunk for like three days and showed up on the set a mess and kind of sick. And the actor looked at him and said, have you ever tried acting? That was his response. was, you don't need to live it. You just need mm. to act it. Um, I see. I, I definitely see where he's coming from. I think, I think that's the difference between theater and 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 uh, I mean like big picture films like uh, Hollywood and TV series. I think in theater, you, you, I mean theater, you can't show up drunk on stage because so many things could go wrong. Everything's happening in live. You can't just stop the show and take a re and do a reshoot. You know, you have to. And so I think that he as a as an as an actor, but for theater, he that the way he learned to embody his characters was in a much more different way than other characters would do uh, the other actors would do um I forget who I, I can't think of his name right now he played um Wolverine in X-Men oh yeah Jack, Jack Jesus, yeah 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 he um he went through a 70, 72 hour dehydration um period for his scene where he wakes up and like he was all burnt so you could see, like, the skin. It wasn't special effects. His skin was all, like, irritated and dry and, like, peeling off. And and so... And so I think that... I mean, you couldn't do that if you're in theater because you can't show up without having, like... with Without... You need to be rested. Right. And, and you have to, like... You can't be sick. You have to be in perfect condition because more things could go wrong. And so I think that... I mean, um... You don't you don't necessarily need to embody a character the way some actors do, but I think if if it's a choice that you make as an actor, then no one can judge you for it. So I think that like okay, if if I decided to if I decided to do one of those crazy like a dehydration period or a, or like lock myself in my room for three weeks before shooting a, a movie, I think that. I mean, there's so much. I I, I admired um, Heath Ledger well, when I read about that. I thought it was crazy how he had so much. Um, like he's giving he's giving in so much to this movie, and um, and he's not asking that much out of it, you know. And that's what I admired in it. And so I think that just acting, you need to you need to take a step further than just acting. And what do you mean he wasn't asking that much from it? Well, he... It's like, um... He didn't ask... It's that he could have not... He could have not called his director. He got, he got the he got the part, right? Right. If he did the lines, if he played the character, he'd get the... I don't know how much money he would make out of it. He'd get everything that you'd usually get. But he, he took that step further, but for himself. He really did that for himself. Okay, so let's... You know, that what I think of with Heath Ledger, of course, is his passing and mm -hmm. the way he passed. And the other great actor who I admire, who I think they're on par, um, Hoffman, which is not... He's got, he has three names, kind of heavyset guy, and uh, 
he um did you see the mission impossible movies i did in the third one he was kind of the you know he was the guy who was like i'm gonna get your family i'm gonna you know um seymour hoffman oh oh okay yeah yeah and he yeah, yeah and, he, and he also passed yeah away. he passed away in the in the filming of a movie i think they were filming a movie and he passed away during the same manner yeah same thing yeah yeah, yeah. um do you think it's a necessity to be a great artist and a tortured soul? No, I just I just think that it I just think that it we there, there I mean there must be a connection because we see it so much, like in in Robin Williams. Um, uh, I think that a lot of times they if you're such a tortured soul, it's because you went through a lot. Like um, Robin Williams, he was he was so sad. He was depressed. He 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 wasn't happy, but he made the and he knew how it felt to be that, how to feel like that. So I think that's why he took it to a further extent to make sure no one else feel like that. So as the person that he was, and going through everything that he went through, he didn't. I mean, if you go through something like that. And you can make it out selfless. Well, then, it would you make it your personal objectives for that no one, so that no one else goes through that. So I think that it doesn't. You don't. You don't have to be a a tortured soul to be a great artist. But we certainly see it come. I mean, what? I don't know. I don't think. I don't think it has to pair together. Do you, are you open to doing film and TV as well? Um, that's actually that's actually what I want to do. I, I prefer I prefer film to. I mean, I've never done it, but it's my it's my goal right now. Uh, to after high school and all that. That's what I'd like to do. Yeah. You gonna move to LA? I mean, I, yeah, that's where everything happens. So. <laughs> Your parents know that. I mean, I, we've talked about it a lot, but they 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 prefer me to think before that, think about college before that, even if it's acting school. Before moving to to LA, after I should get a college degree um, in acting or just to, or have a backup plan ready because there's I mean there's so many there's so many kids just like me out there who want to be actors, and that so competition is really tough. What do you think? I think that more and more... I mean, um, right now my path is set to going to college, acting school, and then graduating and going to L.A. But I've been... I mean, I've, I talk with more and more adults, and they're telling me that college might not be the, the only path that I have to take. So, I mean, I've been thinking a lot into it. It's a hard decision to make because it's, like it's, a, it's a coin toss. And so I, I, still, don't, I, don't, I still don't have an answer. So. What about going to college in LA? Like UCLA has a great yeah. film department. It, it's it has an amazing film department, but it's also a really hard school to get into. So I, re- I would really have to bump up my my grades everywhere. And uh, that's I mean, <clears throat> I'm working on it, but it's hard to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, you could always change your mind, too. Like, you could go, you know what, I'm not going to college. You move to L.A., 
you're there 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, and you go, well, you know what? It's been four or five years of grinding, and I'm going to go to college. Mm. That, yeah, that's... I just think that at school, we own everyone. It's in, the, like, especially in Mill Valley, it's like a, um, a lot with a lot of family, like a lot of my friends. It's not a choice. It's, yeah, I'm going to college. I don't know where, but I'm going to college. So I kind of got, I got sucked into that whirlpool where right now I'm, my mindset is kind of set on that too. Um, but yeah, I've been thinking about that, but I don't know. I just, it's like a big leap of faith. Which uh, I, I don't know if I'm willing to take it, but it's a, I still got I still got a year, a year and a half to decide. So that's what I'm gonna do. And that's what I mean. You can always decide. Yeah. You could go to college and be there two years and decide. You know what? This isn't for me. I'm gonna go do my passion. You can always change your mind. Mm. It's your choice made now doesn't have to be the choice two years from now. Mm-hmm. So it really isn't as boxed in as I think we tell ourselves. Yeah, we. I, uh, I have a really good. I have my history teacher this year. He's really, really hard. Um, his his tests are. I mean, he. He's always like we always have homework and like it's very strict and rigorous. But he's also he he also cares a lot about us as students and about our personal life, like. If we ha- if we're having problems, he, he gives us e- extensions like during drama. Um, since I've been at at uh, at drama after school every day, we had an essay due, and um, I asked for an extension. He's like, "Of course, you can have an extension." I mean, if you, I don't want you to be penalized, penalized by like everything that's happening. Um, and he uh, he was telling us that everyone's making su- everyone's always making such a big fuss about SATs and ACTs and getting into college, but, I mean, a lot of people miss the big, there's so many colleges out there that don't require SAT and ACTs, and we're just, we we focalize on the big schools, UC Berkeley, and all these schools, we need to, like, get the best grades that we can, and he said there's so many different options to take, um, that, and we kind of get blinded by the whole college American dream thing, so... Yeah, and even with acting here in the Bay Area, there's ACT, it's College of Marin mm-hmm. used to have a good acting department. Yeah. I don't know if it still is. I um I think it's they, it used to be really good, but now it's kind of wandered yeah. off. Yeah. Oh, all right. There's ACT. Mm-hmm. It's still strong. Yeah. I think. Um, I was my my drama teachers were saying that it's it's still it's still strong, but a couple like. 10, 15 years ago it was the be- one of the best out there in, in America but right now I think it's also kind of coming like coming down that's what I think the- theater I think it's kind of um, it's gonna become the the opera the like like you know how teenage- teenagers don't go to the opera and um, I think that's what theater's the path that theater's going on to um, it's in, in 20 years maybe we're not going to see as much... I mean, we're not going to see as much theater as we do now. That's what I That's what I imagine is going to happen. If you see what I mean. I don't think it will. No? I don't think it will, and I'll tell you why. Because I think 
the energy of youth is always going to be engaged in live performance. Uh, opera is a genre of music. It's not so much the performance, it's the genre of music. This new Broadway play um, that this gentleman, and I just forgot the name, it's based on uh, one of the founding fathers of the United States, and it's a hip-hop Broadway musical. It's huge. And I forget what it's... Anyway, it's, 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 it's blowing up. I mean, it's it's blown up, it, mm. you know, it, and a lot of the talk about it is the hip hop music that is in it. Yeah, and um, so my belief is theater is always going to be around live theater. Well, I think that with the um, the increase with technology, because. I mean, I can pull out my phone right now. I have YouTube, I have Netflix, I have so much, so much, um, op- so many options just on the, on this, on this device right here. I can, I, I can almost watch anything I want. And I think that, um, theater used to be, I think theater has been gradually, it really slowly, I mean, think back and Shakespeare was huge. Shakespeare is still, I mean, we're, uh, Shakespeare is still crazy right now. Shakespeare is everyone. Everyone, even someone who doesn't watch theater, knows who Shakespeare is. Which I think that's that's amazing. And I'm learning about Shakespeare in in drama right now, and all and all his rules and all his like everything he created. And I think it's fascinating. But I I still think that with the with the increase in technology and everything like video podcasts and everything because like, um, a lot of uh, today's YouTubers uh, do podcasts that are they get millions of hits and it's crazy and, and it's hilarious and everyone loves watching them and even and I'm not saying that theater's gonna end I'm, I'm just saying that it's it's just gonna there's gonna be less uh, it's gonna be less open to the public it, it's gonna close that's that's what I imagine is gonna happen because with um I mean, my little sister, she has her iPod, and she uses my, my parents' iPad all the time, and I don't, I, I don't know, I just imagine that with the increasing technology, that's what's going to happen. I, I could be wrong. I could be So you think wrong. the audience for the theater is going to continually diminish yeah. to a point of where it's... It just won't, it won't expand, and it won't, and, and it'll just stay as a, and it might, it might research, I, I don't know, I just think that right now that's the path that it's on <laughs> yeah I just don't see that I think I, I think like look at you just were talking about Shakespeare mm-hmm. and Moliere and you know even Greek plays are still performed yeah the ones that we have yeah. scripts of So we're talking, you know, over 2,000 years ago, plays are still being performed, and the ideas are certainly still performed and built upon into new stories. And technology has always been evolving through all that span of time. And I don't think the audience of the theater has diminished 
if it has hmm well now I'm just about to negate what I was about to say but I was going to say like, if it has it's because it used to be the only form of entertainment of course but even when film came about Theater is still a valid form of entertainment. But, it's still but think, a prominent form of entertainment. But think about think about the last in the last ten years. I, I grew I grew into the the whole uh, technology era. I was I was too young when when I was nine ten years old. I had my DS, and I saw from from there. And in only six years, we now have. I mean, because ten years ago there was the the first iPhone came out like. 13 years ago maybe um, and, and that was crazy and in, in, and if you see in, in about 10 years how much six, how much we've worked on that I think that we're putting all our focus into technology right now and that's that's why theater I'm not saying I, I, I just see theater uh, collapsing more than anything I'm not and I think that the today's entertainment uh, in Hollywood and movies and TV shows, they're definitely based. A lot of it is based on the on the on the Greek plays and the and the Shakespeare because Sha- I mean Shakespeare's morals are still seen today in a lot of in a lot of uh, modern plays and a lot of TV shows. I think we I mean we are theater uh, is the base of acting and and entertainment. And that's where that's where, um, and I think just movies and TV shows and all that is kind of building up on it. It's gonna kind of like collapse around it. The reason I don't believe that's real is the places for live theater. I still see them. I don't see them disappearing. I don't hear of live theater closing its doors. You know, the ones that I know prominently, ACT the Marin Theater Company, Mm. uh, Ross Valley Players, the Magic Theater. um, Those are the ones that come readily. Mine still seem to be thriving, and I'm always hearing of new... That's true, but we're also in a a very... in a a community where that's extremely... um, I mean, we have time to go see plays, and we have time for... And and it's... you, like in in France where I lived, or in in Pennsylvania where I lived, there wasn't there was not as many acting um, like theaters. There wasn't, a, and I think it's uh, where we are. It's it's very prominent. And I mean, like my my teacher was saying, ACT is kind of heading downhill right now. Um, I don't know about MTC. I mean, I've been to MTC plays, and I think it. It's great. They have a great theater, and they have great uh, d- designers and actors. All, like, always. But I still, I still see technology overrunning it and kind of monopolizing the entertainment. You want to place a bet on it? Like ten years from now, we meet and if, yeah, if you're definitely a dollar, a dollar. Of all course, right. I love all it. Right. All right, then we got it on camera too. Yeah. All right. Is there anything else that uh, you'd like to bring up or talk about? Um, not really, no. I was just saying if in 10 years I really hope that Donald Trump wasn't elected. (laughs) (laughs) Just putting that out there. (laughs) So, um, yeah. I'm kind of hoping he is. Yeah, you are? Just for entertainment. Just for, that's that's the problem that we have and that we're seeing. 
Uh, when Kanye West and Donald Trump are truly to be considered as leaders of the country, I think we are on our way out. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I think already having already having Donald Trump uh, so high up in the polls for the past weeks proves that America is already on their way out. And I mean, we're enforcing democracy everywhere, but our government isn't that great right now. So I don't know. Yeah, I have a jilted view of that whole thing. Mm. I mean, you really get into it. Politics and history are very closely tied together. Oh, yeah. It's rare. You... Oh yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Bodhi, the yeah, they're learning the song. You know, fourteen. What is it? Fourteen ninety two. Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Yeah, and. <clears throat> This song has been changed. It's um, where, you know, people were already here. In essence, the song's saying people were already here. How can you discover someplace when it's already occupied? Mm -hmm. So it seems that the perversion of power has been predominant throughout the history of humankind. And hopefully we're evolving consciously where the law of the jungle is not the prevalence of life yeah no I uh, speaking of this this year we were talking about in history class um how we're taught that Columbus was a great guy he did I mean he discovered America you know he did he he's he found like he's the first whitey yeah there you go. That's like, but the problem is and maybe not actually. You're not. You're not. And when people tell me, when people tell me, and I'm like, and I'm talking, and I'm saying how like how there are bad things in America, like and I'm talking about gun control and all that, and then they tell me, oh, if you don't like it, go back to France. I'm like, I mean, and then and they're like, yeah, you're like, you're you're like, you're an immigrant. You're like, go back to France. We don't we don't want you here. I'm like, well, I mean, unless you're unless you're a native Indian, you were an immigrant too. That's the so I mean that's the that's the problem where we teach uh, the history the history that we learn and that we've been teaching um, the kids in school has been always the winning side. You, you don't hear the the tales of. I mean I'm sure there are out there there is out there I'm sure there are history books on it but that's just not what's taught in our education. Right. And so we don't we don't hear we don't talk about how the Aztecs were. Um, the genocide of yeah, the Native the, Americans. Yeah, and we're all, and we're always talking about how, um, I mean Hitler and all those all these horrible people, and you never hear. I mean, we don't really talk about Belgium and the the massacre in in South America. How I mean, it's so. I mean, it's always the the winner chooses what like we're gonna teach. And right now, I mean, I, Columbus was a really bad guy. Well, that's where I don't think there are monsters. I don't think we could clearly say even Hitler or Idi Amin or Columbus or I think um, people are more convoluted than a clear right and wrong. 
as an example, um, I heard a lawyer who's doing a lot of work with um, incarcerated people, mostly men and youth. Mm. And he had this great quote that I love. I'm going to butcher it. But in essence, what he said was, we, our worst act in life, our worst action does not define who we are. If I murder someone, that's not the definitive of who I am. But we tend to do that. You're a murderer. Yeah, I definitely understand that. But um, I I think my history, my last year's uh, history teacher would agree with you. He was saying that, I mean, Hitler, he was sick. Hitler was, he was mentally sick and he wasn't, um... His his mom died. He had a, his mom his uh, his mother died, and his um, his mother's doctor was Jewish. Um, you can so you can I mean you can definitely trace stuff back. But what he did, um, I don't. I think that there's an extent to. I understand where you're coming from, but the the scale that a lot of people, like Hitler took it to a different scale, and so. But we, do we know definitively it was him? Or was he a puppet amongst a group of people? I I mean, I've never... I think Hitler was uh, rose to power in, uh, in desperate times. And his Absolutely. people... And his people... And that he was so appealing because even if it, what he was doing wasn't something that was going to be good for the country something that was going to help the country move forward, it, it was certainly a plan. And the, the country needed, they needed, the people needed a plan. And he was confident and he knew what he was doing. And so they went for it. But either either way it was him or not, he still, I mean, he, he, he took his life at the end. So I think if you take your life, it's that there's, there was some remorse somewhere. I, I don't know. I think I'd, I've never really thought about him being just a puppet, but... And I'm not saying he was. Yeah. But what you brought up also, of the when I, I started reading The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich, and when I read the level of poverty that existed in Germany, was exponentially worse than anything I've experienced. It was, it it was, was yeah. horrible. And you start reading how the powers that won the First World War, there was Roosevelt saying to everyone, hey, let's not, you know, you guys are beating up on Germany. Let's not do this. This is not a good idea. They didn't listen and they just, you know, Germany was the bad guy and they... Yeah. So, there, I think, is merit to an argument that World War II was in part created by the countries involved in the winning of World War One and the Treaty of Versailles. That yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think that's the, the, the. I mean, there was nothing. Yeah, that I think that's totally correct. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing else to say. I mean, that's <laughs> so, the, <laughs> so that's what. So so you bring it back to like you and me, and. And I don't mean like you and me right here. I mean just individual. That's what happens for me. Is I keep going, like I spiral out, and there's so many, yeah, but, and, and then this. 
And it's like, okay, wait a minute. I can't deal with the world. I can deal with me. So it's like, I love that Michael Jackson song, Man in the Mirror. Mm. It's like, that's where I got to start. When, when there's no war going on inside here, when this is totally aligned with peace, and that's what all that's going on, then maybe I can step out into the world. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Is there anything more? Like you feel good? I feel. I feel good. This was great. Yeah. All right, Benjamin. Thank you. Truly. Yeah. All right. Yeah. For you. <laughs>